everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelance and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We are on site at the Delray Beach Open. We wanted to catch up on some items in the tennis world. So as always, please welcome my co-host and Hall of Famer, Steve Flink. Steve, a few things uh, we want to touch base on. You ready to roll? Ready to roll, David. Looking forward to it. Uh, let, let's start, uh, I guess it was last week. We're time stamping this. What is it? Tuesday, February 15th. We'll probably release this a few days uh, out. But um, last week, uh, a fan favorite by many, Juan Martin Del Potro, retired. I know you have some memories of him. I have some memories of him. Uh, you know, watching the match against Del Bonus, uh, obviously was nowhere near 100%. A nice moment again, and we saw it with Novak at the Open, was when uh, – Del Potro was down three, five in the second set and all the emotions kind of came to a head. And it's always nice to see um, that these athletes are not robots. And we've talked about that several times. Um, you know, it took quite a bit for, for uh, Juan Martin to, to gather himself at that moment. Looking back uh, at his career, what, what are your thoughts? Obviously the injuries were just a killer. The injuries were absolutely a killer. I mean, obviously it, uh, the, the first thought was winning. Obviously we always remember <clears throat> excuse me, that 2009 U.S. Open where he crushed Rafa 2-2-2 two, two, and two in the semis. It wasn't a, the best Rafa, but nonetheless, it was a devastatingly potent display. And it helped him, was one of the key reasons, I think, why he was so strong in the five-setter the next day against Federer is that he had beaten Nadal so handily in the semis, so he conserved energy. And that, of course, was another was a, a spectacular performance against Federer when, he, when Roger was serving for a two-set lead and didn't hold and eventually went down in five. Delpo had more people rooting for him that day against Roger Federer than I've ever seen any from any Federer opponent, except possibly the, the crowd at Wimbledon in the Olympics in 2012, when Andy Murray beat Federer in the Olympic for the Olympic gold medal. But with the exception of that, never seen anything like it. There was a great Delpo contingent up there, South Americans, people from all over the world, I think, but, but from his part of the world. And, and he, he got tremendous crowd, fervor built up and it was it was a it was a great occasion Federer was very sporting afterwards I think they all liked Delpo so much and we thought David my point being that was going to be the first of many but of course it turned out to be the only one he did he did uh you know have his close calls like the Olympic he had some great performances in the Olympics beating Nadal in 2016 after beating uh Delpo uh beating uh, Djokovic in the first round and uh he, he uh he lost to Andy Murray then. In 2012, he lost 19-17 in the third to Roger, which probably cost Roger the gold medal against Andy. So there, there's so many memorable ones. And then, of course, finally, the 2018 U.S. Open final. Got back to the finals, and Djokovic beat him soundly in straight sets. And that was another poignant moment, David, because we, there he was in tears after the match and Djokovic consoling him at his chair because Delpo so sorely wanted that second major title and second U.S. Open. One more, David, I what springs to mind. 2013 Wimbledon, five-setter with Novak that was a really high-quality match that also might have spoiled Djokovic's chances against Murray in the final because Djokovic had to work so hard across five sets before subduing Delpo. So those are the things that spring to my mind. Any, anything for you? Yeah, I'm well, perfectly well said. I, I would add two two more one was more of a personal moment that i witnessed but the the other match that i wanted to point out was uh the 2017 us open fourth round versus dominic team when he was down yeah. two sets to yeah. love and you talk yeah. 
about a Davis Cup fervor. That match, I mean, once that started to turn around too, that that crowd was raucous uh, in favor of uh, Delpo. That was a fun memory. Also, again, a personal, and I'll say it because we're we're in Delray too. You know, in 2017. Um, Jack Sock and Juan Martin Del Potro were in Del Rey and I was walking around. It was a Saturday, I believe. And it was qualifying weekend. The main draw hadn't even started and you're walking around and it was late in the day, probably four 35 o'clock. And I'm walking around, I'm about ready to leave. And all of a sudden I hear the sound of just, just a different type of sound going on on stadium court. And I walk up there and it's literally Juan Martin and Jack Sock and their coaches and me in the stands. That was it. And I was watching those two players practice. And when you talk about big forehands, but also contrasting forehands, sock so much spin in the, the rotation of the ball versus Juan Martin. And, and it's almost like a, a, it's not a low to high. It's almost a slightly high to low flat ball. And I was behind sock. So I'm seeing Delpo's forehands come at you. It's like a Mack truck. It'll yeah. just bowl you over. And, and that was a, a fun memory for him, but you know, uh, everything you said, uh, in agreement with, it's just but sad. Dave, the, the, you, the you injuries it, prevented him. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You made that such an interesting point about his forehand and the flatness of that forehand, the explosiveness of it. And, and, but yet there was a grace. He was a powerhouse, but there was elegance and grace amidst it all. That's what I loved about watching him play. He was really fun to watch for that reason. It's hard to combine all that brutality with elegance, but he yeah. did <laughs> Yeah, he did. And everyone loved him. The gentle giant, right? The gentle giant. Right. right. Um, uh, to turn to it, uh, uh, I think to end it, I think we both and everybody just wants him to to be healthy and be pain free and enjoy the rest of his life. Because the, the number of injuries he had and the number of times he had to rehab just mentally and physically, it's exhausting. So um, best of luck, uh, Juan Martin, and, and hopefully uh, healthy and, and, and happy lifestyle going forward. So. Um, I think we all we all agree with that one. Big event. It was never a matter of if it would happen. It was more of a uh, timing of when it would happen. And and Felix Ajir Ali has seen previously 0-8 in finals, never even won a set in finals. Um, he wins Rotterdam with a convincing 6-4, 6-2 win over Stefano Tsitsipas. Obviously not an easy opponent in the final, but um, this is just one of many to come. He is so impressive. And, and it's good to just kind of get that off uh, that monkey off your back. And I think uh, plenty more in the near future to come for Felix. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously that was, it was, there were common reasons, lots of different reasons why he was 0-8 in the finals with no sets one. Who can say exactly what, how much of that got into his head, but it was inevitable that he was going to break out of that. We've seen him in the semifinals of the U.S. Open last year. It was a big step. He beat Zarev at Wimbledon last year. He's been coming on so strong. He starts this year, David, and beats Zarev in the World Team Cup, the ATP, ATP Cup, and then goes to the Australian Open, has a match point against Medvedev. So we've been seeing the, the improvement step by step, the confidence building. So this didn't surprise me, even though Tsitsipas has been back in pretty good form and had a great Australian himself. With his semifinal showing, he, he also lost to Medvedev. So uh, I'm very encouraged for Felix. He just looks to me more and more solid and, and more and more impenetrable and i i'm i'm I, I believe that as i said to you i think in one of the prior podcasts that i wouldn't shock me at all if somewhere along the line this year he won a major so mature he's just so mature both on and off court um 
yeah, he's got a, <laughs> he's got a heck of a future. Uh, we've said this for a couple of years now. He's got a heck of a future ahead of him and uh, many more titles to come. Even before that, um, even before last week, I know there was an announcement that Labor Cup this coming September, um, Rafa and Fed are going to, are going to play together and going to play doubles together. And when I, when I first heard the news, I, I texted you and I'll put it, I'll put it to all our listeners. Now I, I stand by it. Um, I think there's a very good chance. It's my prediction that his doubles match with Rafael Nadal will be Roger Federer's last professional match. And if it is, um, what a way to go out, you know, the respect he has for Rafa, you know, the respect Rafa has for Fed. Um, if that is his last professional match, I think it'd be so it's almost like storybook ending with, with the way those two people, um, have both, uh, pushed each other to, to, to heights that <laughs> it's been pretty incredible that only the, the two of them can, can really push to, obviously there's no back in that mix as well, but just talking about the friendship and the rivalry between those two. If that is, in fact, Rogers' last match, what a way to go. Yeah, it would be very fitting. I, I think, of course, the, the, what, what we have to think about now is we, we still can't know for sure how, how well Rogers' comeback goes. He wants to come back in singles, obviously. That's the first priority. What, hopes to be ready for Wimbledon, knows it's unlikely. So then the question becomes is if he comes back over the summer and, it's, and the comeback is quickly curtailed because the knee does not respond, is he then even able to play doubles? I hope so. I hope that maybe it's, it's serious enough to, if it's serious enough to stop him from competing again in singles, that the doubles is still a possibility, in which case your scenario would be entirely plausible. So uh, it, we'll, take, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm not that encouraged about the singles part of the equation, David, but, but, you, but your situation, your scenario, I could see that unfolding. Yeah, well, we'll see how that plays out. Again, hoping fight gets healthy uh, soon. All right, let's talk a little bit about Del Rey. Um, and I bumped into to our good mutual friend, Randy Walker. Always fun to talk tennis with Randy. Um, you know, for people who have been to the event, they know the place. Randy did a little video on Twitter. Docs, it's a, it's a little I mean, shake shack type of thing right by the stadium, literally across the street milkshakes hamburgers hot dogs it's it's a legendary place it's closed um so that was a little bit disappointing um but uh that was one thing that randy was talking about and it was pretty funny uh but maybe they'll the lease will get renewed somehow some way but also talked to um tournament chairman ivan baron on the friday before uh the day of the first qualifying the whole baron family have ran that have run this event for years it's the 30th anniversary now Take a listen to that uh, with Ivan. It's short and brief. It was like nine minutes, but we hit on all the points. And and Ivan and his dad and his Mark, his dad's name is Mark. Um, just a great, great family and just a great tournament. I know it. Thirty years, I think it. It wasn't always in Delray, but for the over twenty years, I believe it was. So um, fun little chat with Ivan. Big name came in late to the event, and that's uh, Grigor Dimitrov. He got a wild card, and I wanted kind of, I don't know, hear your view about his career, because you always hear people wanting a little bit more from Grigor. And when you, when you talk about his career, um, you know, the 2017 semis in Australia versus Rafa, he loses, I think, 6-4 in the fifth, career high, three in the world, eight career titles, semis of Australian, which I just mentioned, Wimbledon and U.S. Open. He's made over $20 million in, in prize money. Um, and, you know, I think, unfortunately for him, he got labeled with that baby fed nickname when he first came up. And, and I don't know if that 
um, heard him. But again, I think everybody, including me at times, was always kind of wanting a little bit more. He's the perfect prototypical player, great technique. Um, I don't know. I'll let you speak on it a little bit. I thought, David, that the baby fed label was going to work much more in his favor, you know, that it was a compliment that people were saying, here, here, here comes the, here comes the, the, the so-called uh, quote unquote child of Roger Federer. Here's the next version. Here he is. He, and of course he had the one handed backhand. So there was the resemblance there. Uh, I don't, I've, I've, I've been a little perplexed by the ups and downs of his career because I think he's a guy that should always be in the upper echelons of the game we saw him play a great match last fall indian wells against medvedev so there are flashes of it but he doesn't seem to be able to sustain it you cited all those major semifinals, and the match with rafa i thought was really remarkable in 17 because he stayed with him he looked physically really strong right to the end and rafa squeaked it out in in five but not easily and not without grigor giving a, a great performance in defeat and then that, uh, watching him, and he beat a slightly injured uh, Federer at the U.S. Open on his way to the semifinals there. And then uh, he just never really pushed Medvedev on that occasion. So I, I, I don't know. I may, maybe, maybe it was unfair. Maybe our expectations were too high. But I thought his were as well. I thought he saw himself. He seemed to have that the temperament, the disposition, the, the, the look and feel of a champion not a champion that was going to win 20 majors, but right. a three or four major championships perhaps and, and capable of winning anyway. I never would have seen it happening at the French, but certainly able to win Australia, uh, Wimbledon or U.S., most likely Australia or U.S., and it just has not happened. And and I, I don't know how he's going to feel when all is said and done. Was he too distracted by were there outside distractions? You know, it, it just liked the lifestyle. And was he too content? I think that does happen to some players, David, that they kind of settle for something a little less than they originally had anticipated. And, and, and they're okay with that. I don't think Delpo was, by the way, Delpo wanted more than that one major. He'll always cherish the one he had, but I think he was always striving for the heights, but I'm not sure Grigor was, I mean, on, only he can really tell us whether he's given a hundred percent of himself, but he sure has been an entertaining player to watch. And he's one of those that are in between. There's not a bunch of guys that are as good as what Grigor was. It was in between the, the Rafa, Nadal era, and now the new guys, the Tsitsipas, the Medvedev. Um, he's in between those guys. And he's, I mean, you watch him practice, beautiful. I mean, his game is perfect. I mean, there's not much wrong with his game. Um, yeah, I, no, I, I don't no, know. I, I guess I'll ask you to, I'll ask you to, and with your thoughts, but is there any chance he can squeak a major out before the end of his career or you're just not seeing it? No, I doubt it now. I, I've kind of given up on that. I'd be love to be wrong about that. I would just like to say you're so right about the beauty of his game and, and the completeness of it. He does everything so well and stylishly. On the other hand, he doesn't have that one great strength like, say, the Federer server forehand or the Rafa forehand or the Novak return. He's just a, a really good all-around player. So maybe the lack of that one mighty great strength is what's prevented him from realizing what we thought would be his full potential. So glad you stated that because I, I wanted to make sure we, we hit on that point. And, and so it's so, so true. He does everything so well, but nothing unbelievably great, which is yeah. what the best of the best have. So um, yeah. still a great career. I mean, 
20 million in prize money. I know you and I will take it. So <laughs> we, uh, will. <laughs> we will. Um, more from Del Rey. I saw some um, in qualifying, saw a really good match and one where you have covered his dad um, long time. Emilio Gomez, son of Andres Gomez. Um, he beat a 17 year old now just turned 18 year old um, Victor Lyloff, 6163. And it was pretty, um, the score was obviously one sided, but um, both those guys, I was watching it hitting the tar out of the ball. And it's going to be interesting to see Victor play again. He just turned 18, young American kid, um, career high ITF junior ranking three. Um, he reached the final of the 2021 Wimbledon Championships boys singles. Um, they were both hitting it. And we know, obviously, Emilio's dad. Andres Gomez won that 1990 French over my guy, Andre Agassi. Um, Emilio's had success on the challenger um, level. We'll see, but keep an eye on, on Victor. Again, super young, but they were beating the tar out of the ball. They really were. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him play, and I, I admired his father so much and, and was lucky enough to be there when he beat your man, as you mentioned, at, at Roland Garros in 1990. Talking Emilio, a, yeah, you're talking about Emilio, yeah. Talking about Emilio, yeah, sorry, talking yeah. about Emilio back to him but yeah I, I i i was that was a stunner i i know i you're the people that were working for nike at the time were out there and and greeting us as we came into the press room that day because they were so convinced that that andre was going to win the title that day it just seemed almost preordained and then gomez played a great match to beat him in four so yeah i've been looking forward to seeing emilio yep and then um, there's two good, again, timestamp, and this is Tuesday uh, around 10 o'clock Eastern time. We're recording this. There's cup, there's there's quite a few good matches today, too, that I'm really keeping my eye on is uh, Jensen Brooks be a finalist in Dallas. He takes on Florida resident Stefan Kozlov. Kozlov had an unbelievable junior career. He's had some ups and downs in his pro career, but late in 2021, won a couple challengers. He won the wild card into Australia, won a first round. Um, he plays Jensen. It's an interesting matchup because both of them do a very good job of making their opponents play ugly. And when that happens, that's in favor of both Jensen and, and, and Kozlov. Now they play each other. So uh, you're going to be interested to see how that one goes. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I would think uh, Brooksby, I think, got really tuned up very nicely. It got some good match play in in Dallas and lost to uh, Opelka. Uh, you know, but that was after beating the saving four match points against Jerome in the semifinals. So Brooksby mm -hmm. had a really good Dallas, and I think that's only going to toughen him up. He just happened to hit Opelka. Opelka had a just a terrific day all around, solid as can be off the ground, unstoppable on serve. And so Jensen couldn't uh, prevent him from from winning in two tie breaks. But I think that all those matches after having been out with COVID and missing the Australian, I think now he's sort of primed to start making his move again. And so I, I like his chances in that match, but I haven't seen that much of Kozlov to be, to be honest. Uh, it's it, the only difference is Jensen's coming in from playing indoors in Dallas and it's right. kind of cooler, a little breezy today. So we'll see, yeah. but that probably plays right into Jensen's game when the conditions aren't perfect. So <laughs> yeah. Um, the other good one, the fun one at six o'clock Eastern tonight on stadium court is Tanasi Kokonakis for Sebastian Corda. That's a tough first round for both. Um, Tanasi obviously just won the Australian Open doubles with Nick Kyrgios. Seen both of them practicing the last few days. Fan, uh, a lot of fans like watching both of them on the practice courts. It's going to be entertaining. Um, we all know how talented Tanasi is. Um, he's had a ton of injuries as well that's kind of curtailed his singles career. 
it should be an entertaining match tonight. Uh, Sebastian's going to be uh, favored, but it's going to be a fun one uh, to, to see. Yeah, I mean, I think Sebastian's, you know, his his know how, his match playing acumen, all of that's going to work. I, 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 he'll be tested, but I would, I would like his chances to win that match. I just sure hope, David, that this year, Corda can stay a little healthier than he did last year. Avoid some of the injuries because if he does. There's no doubt in my mind that he's a top 20 player this year, but he has to be able, he can't be having these periods of a four weeks here, six weeks there where he's out. Uh, this, this is a chance for him to really sort of ignite his 2022 season. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does across the course of this year. Yeah, hundred percent. And for all you serving volley fans, I was out on the court yesterday. I watched the match. Uh, Maxime Cressy, who's had a great start to the year, he played Rafa in the finals of the Australian warm-up event. Um, he played John Millman. And by the way, John Millman, Steve, I've seen John at a few events over the past few years. He's got to be one of the hardest workers on tour because I he is on the practice court all of the time, multiple times in a single day. Um, he works really, really hard. He beat he beat Cressy 7-6 in the third. It was a, a tough match, and it's just – a lot of guys have a hard time playing Cressy because it's hard to practice against certain volleyers all that time. And you're, you're not getting in any sort of rhythm. You're just hitting all these junk balls are coming short balls are coming at an angle. It's something that, you know, certain volley opponents are not used to. John was getting frustrated. He squeaked it out against seven, six in the third, but uh, Cressy, if you're a certain volley fan, you're going to like following him. Uh, he was a joy to watch in Australia, losing the warm-up tournament to, to Rafa, of course, in, 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 in the hard-fought match, and then the Medvedev four-setter. So he's had a tough time since in, a, in these last couple of tournaments, but I have no doubt that he's still going to be a nightmare for people to play this year. It's, there's never going to be an easy way to get past him. You mentioned Millman's frustration, but that's pretty much what you're going to have to do is, is somehow get yourself into a tie break and and beat him in a final set tiebreak. That that kind of situation is going to be very common for Cressy's opponents. But I do I would like to see Cressy get moving again, and I think he will very soon because I think he got a lot of confidence after what he'd done at the U.S. Open last year, and then the start of this year was just terrific. Hundred percent. All right, leaving Del Rey for a little bit. Um, we just recently heard, I guess it was his first public interview since um, everything happened in Australia. It was Novak. And he talked with uh, BBC, I believe, last night, early morning. And I know he had some thoughts. One of the things I, I heard him say, and I know you have thoughts on it, too, is, um, you know, he, he wants to be so in tune with, with what's going into his body, which is absolutely his right. Um, but he also he agrees he understands that there are circumstances um, if he chooses not to do what is required to play certain tournaments. And um, I know you listened to the interview and I, I'll leave it to you to, to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I caught a few. I caught parts of it on YouTube, David, and then read other accounts. and And he was very. He sounded very, uh, very reasonable tone. There was no defiance. He did try to confirm that that the reason that he was deported in the end really was nothing to do with not taking the vaccine. It was because they that the minister thought he was going to be uh, a great encouragement to the anti-vaccine movement. And Novak disagreed with that strongly. And I don't, frankly, I don't blame him. I think that's a bad reason for doing it, but so be it. And it's questionable. You could debate that all night long. But he, the thing that was surprising was many people, I'm sure you probably read that one of, apparently there's a biographer, a Djokovic biographer in Serbia. And he had been saying in recent, over the last week, two weeks, that he thought Djokovic was going to take the vaccine because 
Rafa winning in Australia was only going to want to get his competitive juices flowing again. And it would make him say, I've got to get back out there. But it was really just the opposite in this interview. He was saying he's willing to make that sacrifice because he feels that strongly about it. But he also made a clear distinction that he's not, he does not see himself as leader of any kind of anti-vaccine movement, that it, it goes back to the personal choice. The sad part of that, David, is that I think it gets misconstrued because they still take it as him being one of them by the fact that he won't take the vaccine, even if he won't align himself with them. So it has a very similar effect. And, this, and it's also sad that it, it appears that he and he's saying his mind is still open, but he's running out of time if he's going to play the French or Wimbledon. And there's maybe a little bit more time for the U.S. Open. But I now see a very likely possibility that we don't see him in the majors for the rest of this year. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the front, maybe the French, maybe Wimbledon. Again, a lot of it depends, I think. I'm just throwing it out there. I have no medical expertise <laughs> at all in this, but... Um, if this virus dissipates pretty quickly, um, you know, how long are these requirements going to be in place? We have no idea. Well, the answer. No, you're right. We don't. But I, it's really hard for me to imagine that it won't be in place through Wimbledon, at least. I suppose there's a possibility with the U.S. Open that right. by. But I, I don't even see that because I think that the feeling is going to be that variants can come along and. Who knows what the, what's the next what the next one will be, and they'll they'll want to play it entirely safe. Yeah. And of course, last year, as you know, David, last year's U.S. Open, there was a requirement for fans to right. show that they're not the player. Oddly, they didn't make the players do that, but they did make the fans do it. And I believe that they're going to want to err on the side of, of you know health safety. And anyway, it was sad to hear that because I was hoping that Djokovic was going to say that you know reluctantly he was going to take it you know, that maybe even Isovich or Vida had convinced him to take it and that uh, that we were going to be moving in that direction. And instead, he's 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 sticking by his his convictions, which I think are misguided. But I think it's it's more proof to me that this is not about Novak Djokovic having an oversized ego saying, do me some favors. And he also clarified that about in the interview that he wasn't he never saw himself as someone barging into Australia, forcing forcing his way in as, as the way he put it. It was all about just trying to see if he could play the tournament based on, on that exemption. So it was, it was kind of a, a very moving interview in its way. And you just get the feeling that he's not anywhere near changing his mind at this point, even though he said it's still open. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I've said this previously and I'll, I'll say it again um, for the sport, we all, as, as fans, reporters, anyone who covers the sport, uh, we all want to see the best players playing events, especially the biggest events. So um, however this ends up, hopefully he'll, he'll be able to play some slams uh, in the, in, in somewhat near, near future. Again, we have no idea when, when, when that will be, but you'd say the same thing with Roger, get healthy, um, forget the vaccine with any of this stuff. We just want the biggest stars playing the biggest events. That's all the point that I'm trying to make. So yeah. Um, and and viewer was very clear he kept saying Novak are you willing to risk statistically going down as perhaps the greatest player of all time and he said he was you know that yeah. it, it, this meant enough because of putting this into his body on the other hand as we've discussed and I've mentioned to you before he did do it it's not the same thing but he did an elbow procedure back in 18 that he was again very reluctant to do but he did it for the sake of continuing to play at the top levels of the game. And I was kind of hoping that that's how he'd look at this, that it wasn't something he wanted to do, that he had concerns, but that he would do it 
for the sake of his career, but he's not there yet. Agreed. Well, stay tuned. We'll, we'll, we'll continue to see how this, how this all plays out with that. Uh, we'll end it there. Any of you guys, any of you, uh, men or women in the Florida, uh, Atlantic side area, come on down Delray beach open finals on Sunday. So you got all week. It's Atlantic Avenue. You watch the tennis. You can go out. You're, you're right on the main drag. There are great restaurants there. It's a great tournament. It has that family friendly type feel. You get accessibility, you get um, to the players. It's not an event that's so big that everything's um, barred off from really um, from you getting any close look at anything. It's not like that at all. Um, for all you tennis fans, and especially even if it's not this year, in the future years, especially tennis fans in cold weather states, it's mid-February. Get out wherever you are and come on down to Florida and uh, enjoy the event. With that, Steve, thanks again. Always fun. David, thanks a lot. Enjoyed, enjoyed the discussion. I envy you uh, of being on site there, but have a great time this week.